0: my work helping free someone from a life of incarceration that's the proudest moment i've ever experienced
1: i'm the house this is creative first the show about the spark of creative leaders and how they discovered their passions what inspires their work ethic and the journey of getting paid to do what they love the most I'm your host Kelsey Cochran, and today our guest is easily one of the coolest people I've ever talked to. Her name is Shadé Joseph, and she's a filmmaker and photographer based out of Los Angeles. Um, Shadé's outlook. On life is just so pure and her personal expression within her work is really inspiring to me and she is so dedicated to her work and it really does show she's been featured in vice rolling stone and forbes for her short films she's made her way into multiple film festivals and created spotify's first narrative short film ever and i can't wait for you guys to meet her and listen to her journey and her success in the film industry so let's get into it. Hey everyone, I am so glad to be here today. We have an amazing guest that I am pumped to have on the show. Her name is Sade Clacken-Joseph and she is a writer, director, camera operator, editor, just all-around filmmaker. She's from the Bronx, um, based now in a little bit of New York, a little bit of LA, occasionally London. Um, She's a graduate of Columbia University, as well as USC School of the Cinematic Arts. She has received a fellowship award from the Directors Guild of America and was also the winner of the 30 Under 30 Caribbean American Emerging Leaders and Changemakers Award. That's a mouthful. And not only that, she is the founder and CEO of a multimedia production house called Out of Many Media. So, welcome. Yay. Thank you for having me. Really excited to talk to you. I have this whole long list of like topics that I want to cover. So I don't to <laughs> yes. waste time. I want to get right into it. Let's do it. And I want to start first to kind of unpack your story and where you started from. So this might seem like an oversimple first question, but like, where did you find your passion for filmmaking?
0: So My passion for filmmaking I think stemmed from a bunch of different things so growing up I was just obsessed obsessed with tv and movies like I would just be up against the screen which is why I have very bad eyesight right now I'm pretty sure um I've been wearing glasses since I was eight years old but it was like an ongoing joke like with my cousins my family like whenever like a show is on like I would just be checked out and like, I would just be staring completely in trans by the screen. I was like, why is she so obsessed with TV? <laughs> but I was, I honestly, I think for me, the arts, music, reading, like was all my escapism. I was a very imaginative kid and I grew up, I have a younger brother, but, I, but we're 10 years apart. So I grew up a, like a, a only kid for a while. And my parents are immigrants. And honestly, I went through like a lot of identity issues growing up because we're from the Bronx, um, in a very, like from a very Caribbean um, immigrant neighborhood, but I went to school in a predominantly white area in Connecticut, and so I spent a lot of time kind of always going between these two worlds, and then like being told I was like Caribbean and not like Black American, and so I was always like so confused, like am I Black, am I Caribbean, and like, or am I too Black for like my friends at school or like if I looked and like I'd be called white by like all my peers in, in the Bronx so like honestly I had a hard time just understanding kind of where I fit in in the world and when I watched movies and like read like fantasy novels and Harry Potter and like Lord of the Rings like I just like like I just got completely immersed in these worlds and it kind of helped me forget kind of all the like internal stuff I was going through and I was really drawn to like coming of age stories so I was like extremely obsessed with like I said like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all that kind of stuff and Le- Lord of the Rings actually watching the behind the scenes featurettes like I had every I had like all the regular editions of the special editions and then like all the box sets and like all the featurettes and oh I would God. watch the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings and study how they made every shot and how like I would just like I was obsessed with Peter Jackson so I think watching those behind the scenes and seeing just how movies are made
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I just I was obsessed and I it wasn't until high school that my school got a broadcast journalism program because uh, I went to a really small independent school and so they brought this program there and so I was the first like in the first class and they gave us all cameras and that was like my the first time I got like a camera put in my hands and I was like whoa like I can make movies (laughs) and so I just started making documentaries and I remember my first project I showed it in our school cafeteria on our projection screen and I wasn't looking at the screen I was looking at like all my classmates and teachers faces and watching them laugh and like react and I realized in that moment, that's like when I completely fell in love with filmmaking and like really understood the power of media Mm -hmm. to like just connect and like bring people together. And I just, I loved it so much. That's so awesome. But I honestly didn't, after that, I didn't pursue being a filmmaker until like more recently in life because I just didn't think it was something that was realistic for me. And like I said, I come from a pretty like strict immigrant household and like your options are be a lawyer a doctor or engineer that's like pretty much it <laughs> so like my parents were like nah we didn't come to this country for you to like be an artist so I, I didn't know I didn't know film school existed I didn't know like let alone like black women but women could be directors like you know like I'm watching like behind the scenes I'm seeing like white people like white guys like everyone like I didn't yeah. see people who look like me so I like it literally did not compute in my mind that when I can be a filmmaker I can go to film school that I'm allowed in these spaces until much later on. So I, I didn't, after high school, I didn't really pursue film or anything again until I came to USC uh, five years ago.
1: Wow. And yeah. so your experience at USC, was it what you were expecting? Because USC is so close to like the hub of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that the curriculum there is so or it kind of prepares you really for like the LA competitiveness. And so did that freak Mm -hmm. you out at all?
0: It didn't freak me out. So even though I didn't like pursue film, active filmmaking, I was freelancing on the side. I was doing a lot of documentaries. I was doing a lot of photography, freelance Mm -hmm. photography. And so I taught myself like all the technical stuff. I went to USC to really understand like narrative and writing um, because I wanted to stray away from like kind of the docu DIY like run and gun stuff I had been doing on my own and I really wanted to develop my craft and find my voice you know like people say that but like I I did I did want to do that and I did it did happen when I got there I was very excited so when I got there all the technical stuff was super easy for me because in grad school I'm at USC they accept people who who don't come from film backgrounds and Mm -hmm. so Um, that first semester or year is really about like getting everyone up to speed so like when I went I was like oh this is easy like I know all this stuff already but what I really got out of going to USC was like the network and the people I met and the mentors and like workshopping like writing a script and workshopping it with people who I like respect who can like inform me and collaborate with so the collaboration I wasn't expecting that and I didn't realize how much I needed that because in New York I was like literally doing everything on my own there I didn't know any other filmmakers in New York and so and then coming to film school where everyone's like into what you love and it was really really it was really enriching and I took so much away I'm so happy I went to USC I was afraid to I almost didn't my family did not believe I was going like I packed up and moved to the other side of the country like I didn't know anybody I've been in New York my entire life and so it was scary in that sense, but I embraced it and I had a really great time and it was very rewarding. And yes, yeah. obviously going to USC has, has its perks after the fact now, like most people in this industry that I've met like have gone there or know someone who's gone there. So it is a really great place to go to
1: school for film. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that you made the leap and left your little bird nest up in New York. Um, (laughs) So also, okay. so a lot of your work, I really love it because it's based upon stories of underrepresented groups, not only in the creative industry, but kind of just, you know, in our society as a whole. And I'm curious, what are ways that you think you are seeing some underrepresented groups kind of break through and shine in the film industry? Or are there still areas that need like huge, huge improvement?
0: Uh, Yes, huge huge
1: (laughs) improvements still need to be made. Obviously
0: we're in 2020, there's been a pandemic. There's been a huge resurgence of Black Lives Matter movements and people have been getting called out. And so there has been a shift I've seen from companies, shows, to try and diversify, you know, not only the content they're putting out, but the people who they're hiring. So that's been good to see. It's a good first start, um, but there's still a long ways to go. There's still improvements that need to be made, but I do feel like me being a Black female filmmaker now, I have far more opportunities than I, I would have five years ago or even 10 years ago. So things are opening up more. People are seeking me out or like out of nowhere, like getting all hit up, you know, (laughs) like all the time now. And I'm like, where were y'all at before? But um, (laughs) so, yeah, there is there has been a shift towards the right direction. We still have much further to go. And yeah, I I mean, I make a point to to tell stories of underrepresented people of, of all groups, you know, LGBTQIA, like. Jewish, like I've done work in the Middle East, like in Palestine, like I like anywhere that I see a voice needs amplifying, like I'm drawn to those stories. And um, I hope, you know, as an industry, we're shifting towards that slowly. Um, And I think they're just like, people are noticing like the consumers want it too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, of course. Well, this brings me to like one of your short films that you directed and produced called Pony Boy, That kind of touches on you know another entirely underrepresented group and the mm-hmm. film aligns so closely with I feel like what some of your creative topics are what you like to portray throughout your work and how has it felt to witness that film get so much attention both at like Tribeca and then also with Forbes like walk me a little bit through kind of how the making of that and the attention it's gotten has given you like confidence in your career
0: Absolutely. I mean, so Pony Boy was a project that I did at USC still um, with my close collaborator, River Gaio, who is Pony Boy, who who wrote starred and co-directed with me. I had already done my USC thesis film, and so Ponyboy was River's USC thesis film, and River was actually, you know, one of my best friends at school for years. We were very close, but I did not know they were intersex. It's kind of like one of the first people at school they told, and I had no idea. I had had no idea what intersex meant. Like, I had heard of, like, hermaphrodites in the past, but I, like, truly had no idea, because intersex you know invisibility is a really huge thing and um when they shared that with me i was like yo we gotta we this we gotta bring this <laughs> like to the script to pony boy because originally the character of pony boy was just a gay man and it was a really beautiful organic process working with river helping them flesh out the story and really put their heart and, and be vulnerable because it, it was a lot of, of themselves they put in the role. So I, from the get-go, came in as an ally. Like every, any project I come on board, whether I've written it or not, like, you know, every, any director will tell you, you put your hand on the script and like you, you collaborate with the writers, but I really see as it like, I'm serving the writer. Mm-hmm. And like, I am here to help and to amplify like this is not my story so I was always very aware that I was here as an ally I was there to help river tell this story and like we didn't realize literally pony boy was like one of the first narrative films by and starring an out intersex person like That was wild. Like, we were literally, like, making history. Like, along the way, like, all these things just started happening. And then we just got, like, the ear of Stephen Fry and Emma Thompson. Like, all these people just started supporting this because, obviously, they, like, believed in us but recognized, oh, my God, we need these stories because nobody knows about the human rights abuses that are going on to this day to intersex babies. Like, it's crazy. So that whole project, you know, we put our – everything into our blood sweat and tears into it was um, made with a lot of love and the outpouring of love we received after was just phenomenal we didn't know we didn't know if like anyone would get it like if it was too like artsy and like abstract or like too queer you know like we didn't know like we thought like oh maybe we'll just get into all the queer film festivals and stuff but when we heard Tribeca, obviously, like us being from New York and New Jersey, we were like, "Oh my gosh, we're my coming girl. home! Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy!" And so, yeah, all the fam came through, and and yeah, the Forbes thing, I was just that—that that was just a huge surprise too. So, I think it was clear that people were hungry for stories underrepresented people, stories they hadn't seen before, and I think our like our heart really shone through in that project. And we're developing the feature right now, um, which I'll be executive producing with out of many. So really excited for, for where it's going. We just scra- scratched the surface with that short. And so mm-hmm. the feature goes so much deeper and I'm really excited for River and just to watch River kind of like step into this whole new like role too. It's like an activist and like all the, all the outpouring of love they've gotten from people in the intersex community has been really humbling for all of us. The movie has helped save lives and helped like you know people feel seen and that's like why we do
1: what I do what I do um in the end you know. Okay that's Mm -hmm. amazing. I didn't know you were working on that. See this is why it was good that we caught back up so much later in time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Another narrative film that you have it's called Night. This one's like one of my Mm -hmm. It's you wrote it, you directed it, you produced it, and you edited it. Mm-hmm. And it was saying
0: a little bit in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my God. And it was <laughs> the first narrative work produced by Spotify, which I didn't even know that they had a foot in that door. And there's just so many symbols in it from ritual to female empowerment to like freedom. And what was it like fulfilling all of those positions in the production process? I came
0: from documentary and like literally doing every role, and that's why I kind of feel like anyone who can who comes to the documentary world like can do anything like in film. Like if you have done <laughs> been a documentary filmmaker, you or editor, like you know how to tell a story. Like you can you can do anything, and so yeah. I mean, just in general, being a director who has done every position like it it helps you just be a stronger director and storyteller. So when night came along i was very happy to embrace like those roles cuz i was used to it that project was my first actually it was my second it was my first commercial project after graduating usc it was just an opportunity that came to me and um, my partner in life and creative partner edon fry came up with the concept with me and we wrote it together actually but I like, like, I think I mentioned, yeah, I was obsessed with Lord of the Rings, like Princess mm-hmm. Bride was my favorite movie and like Ever After and like all these King Arthur movies. So I like, I I wanted to see black people in these roles. And so when Spotify gave the opportunity, I was like, Egon, like, I like really want to like make like a black fantasy, like, Like, can we make a black princess ride? Can we do it in five minutes? And so um, we did it. And the only way, yeah, just with the budget we were working with was like, if I did multiple roles, when you're making on a budget in these smaller, like indie, even if it's commercial, like, yeah, sometimes me just Mm -hmm. doing a lot of the roles just helps out with the budget. But yeah, it was so much fun. Like that shoot, those two days on set, were st- like people still hit me up about it they're like remember like being on set it was just like to look around and see all the beautiful black people like in like their costumes and like mm-hmm. we're all just having a great time it was so much fun and I really, that project is near and dear to my heart, also developing that into a feature as well. It's a very different take, um, actually. It's more like Black Mirror-esque, but but yeah, I'm very proud of that project, and also will be releasing publicly soon, later this month. I'm going to be releasing it on YouTube, because it was just on Spotify for the last two years, and so now we're releasing it publicly. So everyone can tune in and, and see it. They like follow my Instagram or something. I'll, I'll put out announcements. and
1: Perfect. Yeah, I'll include <laughs> Instagram bio link in like description of this podcast so everyone can go check it out. Okay, one more question about that project and then I'll move on to the next one. Um, what components of that film like, are you most proud of to this day?
0: Well, honestly, I mean that whole project from finishing the script to producing to editing it. Like, I mean, we turned that around in like two weeks. We shot all of that in two days. I'm remarkably, like literally the DP, Jordan Oram, who I had been a huge fan of, he's shot like so many Drake videos and all these other projects. My producer reached out to him on a whim and like he loved my treatment and literally like flew himself from Canada stayed at my where i'm right into my studio like stayed here like like did it for so cheap like you don't understand like everyone came through for this because everyone believed in in just the story so much and it was just made with so much love and we did it so quickly like when i tell like we did it so quickly and for so cheap so i'm very proud i'm just proud that we did it and it's it's my yeah it's my proudest work and like i hadn't had the chance to really explore comedy um, because I I love comedy and a lot of my work has been more like drama or dramedy or like you know in that vein and so I'm just proud that I was able to to make something that I feel like is truly reflective of like my imaginative spirit what I wish I could have seen as a kid like I'm just yeah I'm proud I was able to like do a story about a black princess night like yeah. <laughs> like and embody like all these themes and 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 it looks beautiful jordan killed it visually i'm so i'm so proud of it on so many levels all the people who worked on it costumes it's wild how, how quickly we. Do i that, cannot so. believe
1: you guys were only on set for two days yeah not all together in 48 hours probably not even because you had to sleep yeah. and then
0: yeah i edited it in a week it was like really
1: oh my gosh
0: <laughs> i'm like doing the effects i'm like how do i do this? <laughs> <laughs> I like, had like my friends, like USC homies came through. So it was just, it was a lot of fun.
1: Well, I assume that you're still currently working on it. I know you were currently working on it um, like earlier when we talked a few months back, but it is a feature documentary called Trap Jazz in Atlanta. Is this still a work in progress? Uh, yes. Okay, okay. You're Atlanta, right? Yes, I am. Okay, so this documentary I'm stoked for. I keep (laughs) telling people like stay tuned because I know this is gonna be coming out in the future and I wanna be like one of the first people that watches it. Okay, so it's called Trap Jazz. It's being filmed in Atlanta. I know you've been kind of traveling back and forth a little bit for it. Mm -hmm. Um, You're working in collaboration with like TI and Quincy Jones and Terrace Martin. And I've seen the trailer and it looks phenomenal. I know you probably can't say too much about it since it is still, you know, in progress. But I want a little bit of background, if possible, on kind of where just the idea of creating it stemmed from mm-hmm. like who who started this idea
0: so um actually so jam card is a like music professionals network it's kind of like a linkedin for musicians
1: mm-hmm. they're
0: an amazing um company who are doing a lot for such musicians just musicians all across the board and they are the ones who approached me about trap jazz because our main subjects are jam card um musician members and they so elmo levano who's the founder of Jam Card is, uh, he's an amazing entrepreneur and drummer and just like bubbly Purcell. He's just like amazing. I love Elmo. So he's very close with the three main guys and was like, you got to meet these guys. They have an amazing story. I want to like bring it to the mainstream. I think what they stand for, like so many people, artists, musicians can relate to, you know, he just like here, he brought the story to me. So it didn't, it didn't come up from my I can't I can't take credit for the original concept this was a jam card uh, project it was their it's their first project their first film project that I'm really honored they they chose me to to come on board and make it been a couple years now you know documentaries take time to make obviously working with three very busy you know full working full-time musicians um, and their schedules can be tough and then just now with the pandemic hit it slowed things down a bit but we are in the post-production phase process it's looking really good and hopefully we'll be doing our last rounds of filming soon and and hopefully everyone will get to see it and then in the next year or so so yeah um, really excited to put that one out that is that is very near and dear to my heart and me like you know coming from a music background like all my most of my work incorporates music in, in a big way so um, I was really like happy to to work on that project and it means a lot to me.
1: I'm so excited that you said it's like working on in the post-production process. Yes, yes we're editing
0: right now. I have, you know, it's funny I'm actually like the laptop I'm on right now is on top of my Trap Jazz hard drive, which is huge. I I was like, I need something to elevate the computer, and this is the biggest (laughs) thing I could find. It's so big. But yeah, it's (laughs) me. The Trap Jazz hard drive is underneath.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're doing it. We're editing We're getting there. Okay, so based on the trailer there does seem to be this like really deep sense of community surrounding and supporting these three guys Mm -hmm. and so on a more general sense like how important do you think it is as a growing creative in whether it's the music industry or the like filmmaking industry how important do you think it is to have kind of that sense of community and support Mm -hmm. as you grow into your full potential
0: yeah i mean it's it's absolutely necessary like I mentioned to you coming to film school, the biggest thing I got away was just having a community. Literally just having a support and I have I have tons of friends and support systems, but like finding that in my field was it's what took me to the next level. It's what challenged me and and my, you know, my peers inspire me, like the people in my community inspire me. And now like even and now my family, like my mom and, and like my family are like running my like helping me run my production company and having that community to like fall back on. Like even though my mom knows nothing about like film and TV, she like couldn't even tell you. She knows who Denzel Washington is. She loves her Denzel. Other than that, my mom's like doesn't know anything about actors or the entertainment industry. But to just see how like her excitement in the way like she rallies around me and like my partner, you know, and like the people like having a community, you can't think, yeah, and a lot of art forms, not, not all, but at least for filmmaking, you can't do it alone. It, it really does take a village. But honestly, my best work has come from surrounding myself with with like really like a really strong team and, and community of people around me to help me flourish and thrive. It's interesting because maybe before, I don't know, maybe a lot other people might have different experiences in this industry because it is extremely competitive. I'm not a competitive Person, um, and for me at least, especially the the female filmmakers, everyone's just so like, there's I at least the people I know, like no one's like com- competitive. It's like a beautiful community. We're all supporting each other. We're putting each other up for other jobs. We're hyping each other up when we get like into film festivals. We're reposting each other's stuff. You know, we're constantly supporting each other, and like it's so beautiful to be a part of all these different communities. Um, that I'm a part of and and all these people who are like supporting me and like seeing that in trap jazz and seeing the brotherhood among these three guys who they call themselves brothers but they're not but that musicianship you know that bond when you're creating something with somebody is is beautiful and like it cannot be broken and art just has this amazing way of helping us to heal um, and heal together and heal through like collectively through trauma and like that's why It sucks right now, like, you know, we don't have live music because I think like that was such a like healing experience, but we're learning how to do things over Zoom. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I think you got to have community. All my work is about bringing community together because, you know, my company is out of many one people. It comes from a motto that is in the Jamaican coat of arms, also e pluribus unum, which is on the American dollar. So out of many one people, this concept that like we all are one. It's all about community. That's how we thrive. That's what I stand for at least. So I, I really believe in community. I think we need it. It's been proven to me that we need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and
1: yeah. So that was awesome. Okay. I want to talk about your company. So I guess this is like a perfect segue into it because along with all of these projects that are keeping you incredibly busy, you are also the founder and the CEO of your company, which we've kind of mentioned a couple of times, it's called Out of Many. And it's a full service production house and collaboration hub. It's located in Hollywood. If anyone's in Hollywood, check it out. And my question is, though, how do you handle having so many responsibilities at this company and also so many maybe personal projects that aren't all Mm -hmm. filtered through here. Like what tips do you have to a growing professional who's just trying to figure out how to juggle all Mm -hmm. of their tasks?
0: (laughs) I am the professional who was trying to still figure out how to juggle all of her tasks. So when I I find out, I'll let y'all know. I, listen, I'm a Virgo. I take on a lot. I'm ambitious. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I've i always put a lot on my plate, but this year has been about finding the balance for me, building a strong team, as I said, surrounding myself, realizing, like, I can't do this all on my own anymore. Like, yeah. I did it all on my own for years. And I'm like, oh, nah, I can't do this. Anymore. <laughs> like, I'm, I started burning out. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, I can't pull these all-nighters anymore. I'm tired. Like, you know, so for me, it was recognizing you can not do everything on your own, surround yourself with people who are better than you at, at what they do, whatever that job is, you mm-hmm. know, learn how to delegate, learn how to, I just, I, for my, for the first time in my life, I have an assistant, I know not everyone can have an assistant, but I feel like, especially now we're in this virtual world, there are a lot of people who are, and also like, people can intern and stuff, but I think there's a lot of people eager to kind of just get their feet wet in the industry and like if you can if you're lucky enough to be able to find someone to just collaborate with you on stuff it will go a long way so you're not doing everything on your own and like and i just started recognizing what my strengths and weaknesses were I'm someone who micromanages a lot. Like I'm like no one can do this better than me. I have to do everything. <laughs> and so so it's like stepping away from that, communicating when I need someone I can reach out to this person. And it takes time obviously to accrue people and it you know it takes time working with people to figure out who you work well with, but I'd encourage anyone to just make sure you if you can surround yourself with people who you trust, know your boundaries, don't burn yourself out and know when to say no. For me, saying no is super hard, especially when for so long I was taking every job and like doing everything. And now it's like being selective and strategizing on how can I make the biggest impact? Which project's gonna speak to me? Do I want really wanna do this for the money or like do I wanna do this for the cause? So for me, it's been about balancing which things I take on as a company, which things I take on just work for hire, my own personal thing and balancing that out. So it has taken time and I am really still actively working on it. Maybe I wouldn't recommend people do as much as I do. I know I work a lot and it's, you know, I sacrifice a lot of my personal life for it, but it's because like, I truly love what I do and Mm -hmm. I want to like, make a big of an impact, and I have plans, I want to build an empire, like, I want to, like, create arts programs, like, for youth all across the Caribbean and Africa, like, I, like, just have so many things I want to do, and I'm, like, I gotta, like, I just gotta be working right now, so this is just where I'm at, it might not work for everybody,
1: but, you know, you'll find your way. That's awesome, well, I feel like Okay, this is just my hot take, but I think (laughs) because you have this background in documentary filmmaking and you're used to juggling multiple hats Mm. all at once, maybe that's why you feel like you're a micromanager because you are like, I know I can do it better because I've been yeah. in documentary work. I've done it. <laughs> <My> yeah, <own. laughs>
0: When you're used to doing it yourself, it's like, Oh no, course, I is to doing it the way I like. I want to do it. But you know, but actually when like my business manager, she's like, she's taught me how to like, make a little like guideline what you want the person to do and like send it to you know and I'm like, oh, like oh okay so like I can do that like you know I, I don't plan ahead like you know yeah. I'm used to like just doing project by project thing my thing but now I can finally like take a step back okay what do I want to be working on in five years and then how do I go up from there so it's definitely like just a different mindset
1: Okay, well, I have one last question. It's this time has gone by so freaking fast. And I wanted to start asking like all my interviewees this because I think that everyone has such a unique answer and it really kind of gives like a a good insight into your career mm. in this industry. So, I want to know what is the proudest moment you have in your career like to date. My proudest
0: moment has been, so over the last few years, I worked with Common on his Hope and Redemption prison tour. So like over the last three years, I think we've gone to maybe like 14 different institutions, uh, women's facilities, men's facilities, juvenile facilities. And I've had the extreme honor of holding space um, with these individuals and uh, capturing their stories and just being life changed (laughs) and transformed. By them, one person in particular who I met, his name was Bobby. Bob, Bobby Gons. Uh, I I captured his story, and captured him rapping in um, in prison and. We come and posted it, and it went viral, and we were able to show that work and take it to the governor, and it actually, he was on a life sentence. He had been there for 16 years, got in when he was 16. After that visit and after showing that video, the governor granted him clemency, so he's no been way. free for a year now. He's making remarkable music. He lives like 10 minutes away. We're working on our another feature doc together, and like literally my work helping free someone from a life of incarceration that's the proudest moment I've ever experienced that's been like the most validating like literally all I want to do is create impact and I had like I helped have a direct impact on this person's life and he's a remarkable person he's going to change many other lives I'm very proud of that
1: oh my gosh that's incredible (laughs) like I'm so proud that you did that that's okay well like I'm just gonna add your future piece with him to the list of (laughs) work that I am keeping an eye out for. So you you will be getting emails from me. Like, are you in post-production for this yet? (laughs)
0: If you want to review some cuts, I I definitely need some focus groups and stuff on some of our cuts, so I'll keep you in mind.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I would love that. You have no idea. This has been so amazing. I am so glad that we finally found a time to talk and do this. Your stories and your experiences, you just have so much insight that you've shared and I know that our listeners are going to really just take a step back and like reflect on you know how they want to build the future of their career too. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this space, guys. This is the end. Thank you so much for (laughs) tuning in. Please check out Out of Many. Keep an eye out for all of her work. You can all link her portfolio in the description, so you can make sure that you are keeping an eye out on her stuff. So (laughs) this has been awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you, love. This is great.
1: All right. Bye, guys.